0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres.
1: Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Michael Hawley. It's Tuesday. That is correct. Hi, Al. <laughs> hey, another day, and then it's
0: holiday time. That's right, holiday, holiday. See, you're going to enjoy that and call it Holly Day.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to stay away from Holly. Now, uh, let's see, I see you've been pushing your reruns of History's Greatest Mysteries on TV. That is
0: correct, though, so that was on last night, so of course I had to take a picture of me with that again, and so... Uh... <laughs>
1: yeah, and I was, when people ask me, I say you probably got it on running 24-7.
0: Yes, it is DVR, uh, I don't <laughs> tell anybody. <laughs>
1: Well, today we're going to be talking to a writer here that gets into history. So we've got the new book called The Lost Pope and it's Mr. Glenn Cooper. So thank you for being here, Glenn.
2: I am delighted to be here, Al and Michael. Nice speaking with you. Glenn, you haven't been on the show before, so let's talk a little bit
1: about you. All right. You've got quite the um, history of education and all sorts of stuff going on. Let's talk about your background a little. Where did you come from and what do you, what do you
2: do? i like to, uh, to say that I'm, I'm kind of on my, my third uh, act in, uh, in life. I've done a, a bunch of things before becoming a, uh, a full-time uh, working writer. Uh, I started off uh, studying, uh, studying archaeology at college, and uh, I, for a time I thought I was going to be a professional uh, archaeologist. Uh, that didn't work out. I took a different fork in the road and went into medicine. Uh, instead, and became a uh, physician and internal medicine, infectious diseases uh, specialist. Nice. And uh, then took another uh, detour into um, into research. Uh, and I um, I did pharmaceutical and biotech uh, research at uh, a number of companies uh, before uh, becoming the uh, CEO of uh, of a few biotech companies, and did that for a whole whole bunch of years and uh but always had a um uh, a real uh burning urge desire to uh, to write when i was you know having serious uh, day jobs i wrote screenplays because they seemed a lot kind of more accessible uh than uh, than novels for for a busy busy guy and uh i wrote about uh, 20 screenplays in my mostly in my in my 40s and and early early 50s and i was spectacularly unsuccessful (laughs) um as a screenwriter i just i mean i never i never you know wanted to move to to la i never i never wanted to really get into that whole that whole scene of selling yourself a bunch of scripts got um got optioned uh one got made so one out of 20 not terrible i guess uh and i was a about to start my, I don't know, 21st or 22nd screenplay, another thing that was going to be completely unproducible, big-budget studio kind of a thing. And I said, I just can't do this to myself anymore. I'm going to try it as a novel. And uh, and that one um, that one hit, believe it or not. Um, it uh, it was harder getting an agent than getting a publisher when I had that lined up. And there's a good story there, by the way. Uh, and when I had that lined up, um, uh, uh, it wasn't too long before, uh, the damn thing sold in 30 different countries, seven figures, uh, book wound up selling, uh, 4 million copies. It was called Library of the Dead. And, uh, I said, you know what? I think it's time for the third act. So I became a writer.
1: <laughs> now, how do you choose your subject? Like, uh, I know in the new book, The Lost Pope, you've got, uh, a theology professor at Harvard, and you, you deal in religious thriller, let's just say, how to, the best way to call it. What made you go that direction?
2: Well, it was um, kind of interest informs most of my choices. Things If I'm not super interested in a topic, I just can't, uh, I can't do a, a good job at it. And I've always been interested in uh, archaeology and history, especially European history, especially – the history of the uh, of the church uh, in Europe, and uh, it's really impossible to be interested in European history without getting uh, into uh, uh, the machinations of, of of the Vatican uh, for the last uh, two two thousand years. And this book, The Lost Pope, is the seventh in a loosely non serial group of books with a similar with the same protagonist a guy named Cal Donovan who's a, a professor of, of uh, the history of religion at the uh, Harvard Divinity School and uh, Harvard was my alma mater so I, I kind of know that that scene pretty pretty well and uh, and he's a, a real interesting uh, guy um, he's um, charismatic he's a brilliant academic he's not bad looking uh, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of vices a lot of demons uh, I like writing. Kind of complicated, realistic kind of characters, and um, he, over the course of of several books, has befriended a series of of recent popes, and uh, has become known as the Pope Whisperer, someone who can be uh, a friend to popes without really uh, uh, getting too involved in the uh, in the politics of um, of the Vatican, because the Vatican is a pretty pretty opaque. Organization with a lot of fiefdoms, and uh, he operates outside of these fiefdoms. And uh, Pope likes to bring him in to help solve some thorny mysteries.
0: So is Cal agnostic, atheist? Uh, what is Cal?
2: Cal is uh, half Jewish, half Catholic. Uh, his his father was a was a famous old kind of uh, Boston uh, uh, Irish Catholic um, professor at Harvard himself in his day. His mother was a, a, a flamboyant uh, New York uh, Jewish uh, uh, philanthropist, and uh, he grew up uh, really with, uh, I don't know if it was one foot in either camp or, or, or neither foot in either camp, uh, but um, eventually, uh, later in life, he, um, because of his interest as an academic and interest in uh, in, uh the um, European uh, Catholicism, he decides to become a, pr- a practicing uh, Catholic, but uh, he always um, uh, has a lot of du- dualism. His very name uh, reflects that. His parents argued all the time, and they couldn't decide uh, what to do in terms of his uh, religious uh, background. Uh, they even fought about his name, uh, and he took... Um, the uh, donovan obviously is uh, was a a, a catholic uh, name his middle name was uh, abraham as a as uh, a nod to his his mother and they decided to compromise on his first name calvin and uh, so uh, it's calvin abraham uh, donovan uh, which spells out cad and that uh, a lot of women over the years would have thought of him a bit of as a bit of a cad, although he gets tamer as, uh, as time goes on. We all
1: do, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you do something like this, you're writing in a thriller in a religious sort of theme um, with fiction and nonfiction in a sense, because there's going to be realistic things to it as well as fictional things. How do you decide what gets... Put in and what doesn't, and what you fictionalize.
2: Yeah, so I, unlike um, uh, uh, some other authors, I don't usually start a book with um, with a um, a plot point or a, a set of set of plot goals. Um, I usually start it with an idea, something an idea that interests me, uh, whether it's a religious idea or a philosophical idea, something about science, something about the intersection between science and faith. And once I have a larger theme that I'm interested in, I'll kind of narrow it down and, and work on work on the plot. And because all of my books are, are rooted in history, um, I I try like like heck to to um, to make them as historically accurate as possible. The parts that that are rooted in real history. So lots of research. Tons of research. And uh, boy, it's it's best part of being a writer from my point of view because writing is hard, but but research is reading, and uh, I love to read. I've uh, I've always been attracted to libraries. I've got a pretty pretty fair library uh, myself that I've accumulated over over the years, and um, and I'll spend a few months just just reading books and getting deliveries from Amazon and going to libraries and you know just uh, just have a, a field day. So for this current book, um, Lost Lost Pope, um, I. Uh, probably read, uh, all are part of, of, of 30 uh, primary and secondary source books, dozens and dozens of archaea- of articles on, on early Christianity, on, uh, on, on the apostles, on, on Mary Magdalene, on first century Rome and first century Israel.
0: Sounds like Gnosticism as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, Greek and Coptic uh, biblical papyri for, have uh, forgeries of ancient papyri, uh, uh, the biblical and non-biblical gospels, Egyptian burial practices, women's role in the in, in the church—you you, you name it. So deeply deep dive into a lot of a lot of topics, and then you know lace the fiction into it, um, and uh, and uh, you know wrap it wrap it all in a hopefully a page-turning thriller especially with mary magdalene that's a uh, kind
0: of a pivotal person right there
2: she's a really interesting character who um, you know i'm certainly not the first writer who's who's I've settled on mary as a as, as a character but uh, she's so ripe for for exploration uh, because she's so enigmatic you know she's she's actually mentioned more in the, in the gospels than, than any of the apostles, which is, which is a, kind of a mind-boggling, uh, fact. She's the mo- second most mentioned woman, uh, in the, um, in the New Testament behind, uh, Christ's mother. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's the only person present at, uh, at both the, the crucifixion and the, and, 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 and the resurrection. Um, and it's only a lot later in church history that that she sort of gets uh tarred and feathered uh, as being a a woman of ill repute this is dates to the 6th century after after christ in the com, the common era uh where a pope named gregory the uh got up and gave a sermon that that painted her with a uh, the brush of a harlot um he probably had some some agenda that he was trying to get to get forward but um but she probably wasn't that, that woman at all. So um, I I envision a different kind of historical role for her.
0: Yeah, I think that open the open grave with the angels speaking with her as well. I think that she's definitely more pivotal than
2: some probably want. than a lot of the uh, the minor the minor characters the guys who uh, uh, who, uh, who are not not a list talent. They're more uh, some of the apostles are were B list. <laughs> yes.
1: Do do you have a um, a subtext? or a point, when when a reader picks up this book and reads it, and at the end of it, besides the thrilling aspects and some of the entertainment parts of it, and even some of your um, research and history, is there is there like a subtext or a meaning that you hope people take away from it?
2: There is, and that subtext really is was the, the engine that led me to, to write the book in the, in the first place, and that is uh, to... To explore and, and and have people ask questions about the historical and the modern role of of women in the church, uh, because it's um, it's kind of a uh, um, an outlier in terms of a lot of uh, a lot of mainstream uh, religions uh, in terms of uh, women in the hierarchy. I remember early on when I was uh, doing a lot of primary research for early, for earlier books in my uh, in my career, maybe my. Worth or fifth book, I can't remember. It was called *The Devil Will Come*, and uh, it introduced a character that's that's been prominent in uh, a lot of these Caldonovan books: um, the nun uh, Elisabetta Cel- Celestino. And uh, I introduced her in this in this book, um, and I started uh, visiting the Vatican and developing contacts uh, and uh, and getting some some pretty interesting access to the people and, and places, non non public places within within the Vatican.
0: Like their library? Yeah. <laughs> that would
2: be awesome. You know, uh, th- thanks for mentioning that. Uh in the at the end of the first Cal Donovan book, uh for for helping uh, uh the then Pope uh work through his thorny problems, Pope Pope Celestine his name was, Cal was he warded Cal with uh, with something that, that no non Vatican uh uh, em- employee has, namely, browsing rights of the Vatican secret archives and and the Vatican Library. Because if you go there, and you're an academic, you go to a reading room um, of of either one of the places, and you basically submit books and texts and manuscripts you want to you want to see, and they'll they'll run off and and they'll bring them to you right in the reading room. But no one's allowed to go and and actually uh, wander around from the outside, other than than our, our hero Cal, Cal Donovan, and that's really created a whole bunch of fantastic uh, plot ideas. Uh, you know there are there are miles and miles of of, of stacks, uh, you know, underground, and then various towers and and structures within with, within within the, the Vatican, where where you could literally get get lost and never 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 want to be found because you're just in in hog heaven if you're a, if you're a book person. So, uh, so yeah, I've, um, I've, I've not gotten past the reading room myself, unfortunately, but I've uh, imagined uh, going past a lot of, a lot of times. So, um, so I asked um, people in my naivete early on, so tell me about uh, the roles of, of, of women here in the, in the Vatican. I'm you know, sitting here in some monsignor's office or, or some archbishop's office. And I've always, I always got met with this, this kind of blank stare back, you know, what are the role of women? Well, um, it it boiled down to, it's it's changed a lot under, under Francis, Pope Francis, Uh, but at least in the recent past, it's boiled down to, well, they do the, they operate the Xerox machines and get coffee. And, uh, and that is kind of astonishing, you know, really, if you, if you look at, at the significant role of of women, that women have in the. Know, within various Protestant uh, denominations, within uh, within within the Jewish religion, you know, the the church was just one minor step ahead of, I suppose, um, you know, it, it, it Islam and 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 Greek Orthodox in, in terms of in terms of how women are women are treated. So um, that's, this has been a right. a subject that's continued to interest me, and over the course of these Caledonian books. Um, uh, Elisabetta uh has has risen uh, in to to roles that women have not to date risen to. She was um, made the um, the president of the uh, uh, Congregation for Sacred Archaeology. She was she had an archaeology background, uh, and in um, in the current book, um, the Lost Pope. Uh, the uh, the American Pope John uh, has uh, elevated her to become the Vatican Secretary of State, which is a position that has always historically gone to a cardinal. It's not written into cardinal lo- uh, in the canon law that it has to be um, a cardinal or even a or even a priest. Um, so uh, he uses this loophole and he um, he makes her uh, uh, Secretary of State, and she gets uh, quite. Um, it's a very controversial thing, and she's um, and she's vilified by uh, the conservative uh, factions within within the church. And I wanted to play out um, her trials and tribulations in in modern times with uh, with the trials and tribulations of uh, of a, a possible early uh, female pope who was lost to history because you know the, the early bishops of Rome, the early popes after Peter. Uh, Are really shrouded in in, in the mists of time. It's the first histories of the of the early of the early ten popes or so was was written two hundred years after the fact. So it's not really clear uh, who the uh, the second and the third pope popes were. So uh, could one of them have been a female pope who was also vilified and uh, was erased from from history? And that's kind of count. Point counterpoint, historical to modern, uh, really uh, is what I'd like people to be to think about after uh, the the last page is turned.
1: So, um, who is Cal Donovan? Like, where did you come up with the character, and and um, what's your relationship with Cal Donovan?
2: Well, you know, I like uh, most writers, um, you know, protagonists uh, tend to be somewhat autobiographical. I've written a couple of series, um, s- trilogies, really. This is my, Cal Donovan is my longest uh, series. I've just finished the seventh uh, in that series. And the first, uh, the first uh, protagonist was an FBI agent, okay? And, and I am definitely not an FBI guy. Uh, he had a lot of my, my personality and characteristics, but in terms of what he did, no, no way. Uh, my second guy was a soldier named John Camp in a, in um, in a, in a trilogy called, called the Down Trilogy, uh, a bit of a, a historical fantasy, um, a trilogy about a, um, a real journey to hell and back, uh, and I am definitely not a, a soldier either, uh, Cal Donovan uh, uh, has uh, the similar personality traits to those protagonists, and similar to me, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Uh, but he's closest to me because I have more of an academic background. I spend more time in libraries than I do anywhere else, and so a bibliophile. Both we're both bibliophiles. You know, we both we both spent a lot of a lot of years in school, and uh, uh, and uh, so I suppose he's not me, of course, but but he's the most similar uh, to, to to me, and I feel very very comfortable uh, with him, uh, and. Uh, and I've been married for, for getting on to 50 years. He's never been married. And, uh, but he's had a, um, an interesting evolution over the course of, uh, of, of, of these books because uh, he has fallen in love with this nun. After, after being a serial uh, womanizer, a serial um, relationship guy, uh, he's finally uh, met his match in a woman that is basically unobtainable and uh, and that creates some some real changes in his in his character as as time time goes on. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of meaty stuff to work with with a character like that. So is Elizabeth in conflict as well? Well, yes, but uh, but she's more, more stalwart uh than uh than than than, than he is, uh, although we we shall see what happens in the future, right? <laughs> That's right.
1: When you, when you loosely base a lot of books on a character and kind of their the things they're going through, the mysteries or whatever they go through, um, do you sort of yourself keep some sort of a, a ledger or a Bible, as they call it in the writing world, to kind of keep track of characters and what they do throughout the books?
2: I, you know what? If I had it to go over again, I would have done just that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because... Because I never, I never really knew that I would, uh, that I would uh, extend him uh, so long, um, and now I, um, I forget what he's done, where he's been, what he's thought, uh, what he said, and uh, it's it's a real pain in the backside to, to have to reread the stuff to, to figure out. Now, if I'm going to be accurate uh, with with my real history, I I better. Damn well be accurate about my own manufactured history because I have readers who will, who find mistakes. They love finding mistakes. Cal has blue eyes, not brown eyes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, and I, I get I get stick all the time uh, every, every time I make make a mistake. It's kind of fun, I guess.
1: Well, it's a pretty amazing. I guess you must be surprised sometimes at what readers will uh, kick out. In in one of your books, or even uh, believe what you're trying to say in a book. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I write about controversial stuff because when you write about religious topics, unless you're you're you know steeped in dogma, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be ruffling feathers. Uh, But um, you know, I've I've touched on some pretty some pretty difficult subjects but i know that my stuff is is especially popular in uh in catholic countries i mean i i do pretty well in the us but main my most of my sales are in uh italy spain and france uh probably i don't know four or five to one and uh and m- most of my readers uh, you know because of those demographics are are catholic whether they're practitioners or not you know it depends uh, and I know I have a lot of readers within within the clergy and within the Vatican Oh that's interesting so um, so I, um, I I get a lot of comments but usually people um, seem to be seem to enjoy being challenged a little bit I haven't really gotten any. I haven't got any death threats, if if you know, or or equivalent to a fatwa.
1: No, rush Rushdie oh, or anything. Yeah, no. Well,
2: you know, there there are certain religions where you can't take liberties. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Christianity isn't isn't one of them, uh, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, so where, where do you see yourself going then? Like you said, you didn't really initially think you were going to go this far um, with this character and this whole.
2: I didn't think I would go so far as as a novelist. Period. Uh, I've uh, I got to pinch myself, um, you know, with regularity. I'm I'm now starting to do research on my twenty-first book. Nice. In in fifteen in fifteen years. So uh, so this has been kind of a modern miracle uh, that uh, that I've I've been you know blessed with being successful uh, in in something that I find. Thoroughly enjoyable, you know. I'm, I, I really like the solitary practice of writing novels as opposed to the collaborative process of, of making movies. Uh, so, um, what I like to do is, is write one or two, uh, Cal Donovan books and then kind of a palate cleanser and do something completely different. And, uh, the one I'm working on right now conceptually is completely different. And, uh, and that just, Makes it more fun. keeps it
0: keeps it fresh. In the future, are, is there going to be something about the Library of Alexandria that you guys
2: find, or you find, or something to that effect? I've been trying to figure out a, a good Library of Alexandria plot for a while, um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's what a what a terrific um, what a terrific um, wonder that was. Right. The, I mean, I'm not. I haven't really uh, been an Egyptologist. Um, I've always been interested in Egyptology, but never really was a consider myself a student of of Egyptology. Certainly, uh, never a Wilbur Smith kind of a guy. Right. Uh, may he rest in peace. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, that's that's definitely always been there in my in my job jar. So one of the interesting uh, librarians
0: there was Eratosthenes. So if you're ever going to have one, I, I want him involved. So I'm going to get that book. <laughs>
2: Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know him. He's the one that
0: uh, determined the circumference of the Earth. Okay, uh, here's 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Everybody thought the Earth was flat, but he did it. 2,300 BC, or I mean, 300 BC or something. He figured out the exact circumference of the Earth, just a few miles off. <laughs> so he's an amazing guy.
2: Well, um, funnily enough, uh, that's the era that I'm, I'm interested in, in the, in the next book. Uh, which is uh, very loosely based on the, um, the fantastic invention, probably the first computer, uh, the uh, anti-Kythera mechanism. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, which, uh, I don't know how much you guys know about that, but uh, it is one of the great wonders of, uh, of, the, of, of, the, of the ancient world. It's even a wonder of the modern world, to, to be honest. Uh, it's uh, an incredible device that was uh, that's uh, over 2,000 uh, years old, that was found uh, in uh, a um, an ancient shipwreck uh, in uh, at the turn of the uh, the 20th century. Uh, a, a fantastically complex uh, bronze uh, mechanism for um uh, determining the orbits of planets uh, eclipses uh, of, the, of the sun and the moon uh much more advanced than anyone believed uh, that the that the early egyptians uh, i'm that the early early greeks could have could have been so um so yeah uh we're we're, we're constantly making little discoveries and large discoveries about uh how uh, our forebears were much more advanced than we give them credit
1: well yeah
0: just think if they discovered the information in that library, that would just be
2: amazing. You know what? That's you, you just gave me an idea for. This. All right, <laughs>
0: yes. There you, go. there you go. I'm going to tell people I helped out, help
2: Glenn. <laughs> no, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, because then modern world's starting to think the world's flat again. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's we're having these issues going back in time. People are crazy. You
2: know. What if the Library of Alexandria weren't destroyed? What if it actually was hidden? It's intact. It's discovered. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love it.
1: I love it. <laughs> there you go. Well, it, it to me, it sounds like each one of these books, it's not just a thriller book. It's very important to you. And I can't help but think you put a lot into it. And at that point. Point each time you release one of these books. Get it to the publisher. Um, you've you've got to have noticed or, or realized some change in yourself about going through a process of one of these books.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I still um, I still, in some level, um, am amazed when I get to the end uh, of, of of one of these books uh, because it's it feels when you when you start. You just have a, a concept, an idea. It feels like you're, you're kind of at, at the base camp of Everest. You know, you can't, you can't imagine you're ever going to be able to summit and then get back down. And every, every book that I finish, I, I kind of um, am overwhelmed by a feeling of gratitude and, 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 and personal accomplishment. And the stuff that I've learned doesn't go away. It stays with me. Uh, and, uh, and knowledge changes you. And then when the, when the books get birthed and they get out in the world and people read them and, and start dialoguing with you, then, then that changes you too. And, and nothing, uh, has more of an impact on me than, than people, especially, especially young people who, who say, um, that they really weren't readers until they found my books, or they really weren't much interested in history before they found my books, uh, or they didn't really think much about some of the subject matters that I, that I kind of uh, write about, like free will and predestination and uh, the afterlife and how science and, and, and faith can, can coexist. Um, you know, so, so if I'm able to, to change people even in a small way, that changes me. So it's a whole process that starts with with uh, an idea and ends with um, a a big kind of uh, worldwide dialogue that I get to have with with readers.
1: I would think that the setting as well is very important. Do you write the setting like a character, or are you you creating them as a character?
2: Well, I I try to be accurate with settings uh, as i as accurate as accurate as I am with 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 my history, and um, I'll um, you know I'll. I'll dip into the bank of places that I've, that I know and that I've, that I've, that I've visited. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go and visit new places. The the pandemic kind of threw a spanner in the the works. I would, yeah. The previous Caldama book was based in Portugal and Portugal was the only, um, the only European country that I had never visited. It was kind of a gap and I had to do all of my Portugal, uh, visiting in a, uh, Virtually, hmm. online, and uh, with Google Maps, and with, uh, with this great virtual reality app, you know, you can you can use on, you know, the, 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 meta, the meta quest called Wander. I don't know if, you, if you're into virtual reality at all, but you can literally walk around in a 3D uh, down, down streets of, of any city or town in the world. That's cool. You can't you can't smell the smells, uh, you know. You can't hear the sounds, but you can certainly see the sights, and um, and that's a really great been a great tool for for me as a as a writer.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. Sometimes you don't want the smells anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> Enough is you know. It you depends on the day and how hot it is. So. <laughs> So, listen. So, are you active on social media, and are you? Uh, do you have a website set up, and do you like to interact with readers? And if so, how how do they get a hold of you, or how do they how do they find Glenn?
2: So, I'm a I'm a I'm a bit of a nut on social media. I will try to answer people, uh, whether it's on um, you know Facebook, Twitter, in, 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 Instagram. I'll try to answer within within minutes, if not hours, of of, of getting pinged. Uh, and I just I don't mind being interrupted. Um, it just keeps me keeps me going, keeps me fresh all day. Um, you know, talking to people. So yeah, I'm 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 in all the usual places um, on social media. I've got a, a website, glenncooperbooks.com. that's got all of my all of my stuff on it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably spend uh, half an hour hour a day uh, on on social media. Yeah, you don't want to
1: get too lost. You'll you'll start thinking the pandemic never happened. And
2: well, not that kind of social media. <laughs> I mean, <no. laughs>
1: yeah, you have to be careful out there, right? You know, that's right. It's dangerous. Yeah,
2: you know that that's a sore subject as a as a as an old infectious diseases hand. Uh, the uh, pandemic deniers, vac- vaccine anti vaxxers uh, Boy, don't
1: get me started. <laughs> no, but the, but the whole thing, you know, as a writer and when you're writing, um, and trying to make a realistic story and try to make, um, characters as real as possible and, and you want people to read it and come through it and kind of go, yeah, um, you know, feel that that person could be real, like what they're doing and saying and how they're acting. It makes sense, like the story, but you, you have to, think over the last three, four years and maybe maybe I maybe it's just me but the, the people in general, a lot of the behavior that we've seen in the public, especially over the pandemic, I found it to be very surprising and maybe that's just my own ignorance right maybe it's just i I, I sort of didn't get what I expected sort of it's I was surprised by things. And that's got to change you also as a writer, in a sense, because when you're writing, trying to write realistic characters, you've got to kind of go, "Ooh, you know, that's kind of strange, but this is how people are." So I, I don't know how that changed.
2: Well, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. I was astonished. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're really who who could have possibly predicted that that a, a large segment of of society would would react to a to a, a cataclysmic um, a species-threatening pandemic by becoming uh, anti-science. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's the only sort of logical, rational um, way to approach it is that, gosh, we hope the scientists can, can find a way out of this mess. Exactly. Uh, so for it to turn the way it turned it represents something that I think... Uh, Historians are going to be studying for a long, long time because it represents something very bleak, very dark, and very um, counterintuitive uh, in terms of a historical historical trend. When when I was a when I was a kid, uh, going through the the polio yeah, epidemic, right? right. It yeah, it was it was considered a patriotic act to To get your kid vaccinated and to be and be, and, and and become vaccinated yourself, right. uh, and how it became anti-patriotic to do the same during a modern uh, epidemic pandemic uh, makes very very little little sense, at least to my scientific mind.
0: I think you're right because that's is <laughs> the power of the limbic system over frontal lobes, <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> so <it>
1: doesn't make <laughs>
2: sense. <laughs> yes exactly um and i i think oh maybe it's maybe we can blame social media maybe it was always there you know um and it just never got a megaphone before uh during the if there were anti uh you know uh from the 1950s through the through the um uh, the current era uh, then maybe they just didn't have a way of um of getting other people to listen to them, right? Right. Uh, and so um, it's maybe the the underbelly of, of, of social media that that at least caused it to propagate.
1: But it's just surprising that um, we we should be overall more intelligent and more uh, more. I don't know. I guess they say that critical thinking, but we should be more um, intelligent than what we were 50 years ago as a species right we should be better off and we should be able to handle things better than that i would think like it's just in my law in my thinking that's how it was and so that's why i was surprised
2: the science has gotten better and better and we and we're we've gotten so much more advanced in in, in bi in biomedical sciences and physical sciences and physics you name it; uh, the advances are um, are are fantastic, but uh, from a societal point of view, we've just gotten dumber and dumber, uh, and it's a it's a it's a strange disconnect. Um, you know, the there's a one there's a marvelous uh, a spoof movie uh, called *Idiocracy*. Uh, I think Mike, Mike Judge um, uh, about a, a future world where um, where Society has gotten so just so dumb, uh, in, inbred, stupid. It's a comedy, by the way, uh, that um, that uh, people just can't even take care of themselves on a the basic on a basic level. Right. Uh, and a, a guy from the uh, from the from the present, who's of very ordinary intelligence, um, is somehow oh. gets gets projected into the future, and it becomes the the smartest man in the world. And it's it's historically funny, but also depressing because it's taking is like actually. Much. <laughs>
1: it sounds like a documentary of the last election there. and I, I don't know. I'll get into trouble here? I'll get screamed at. See. Well, Glenn, it's been a real pleasure, and uh, and we wish you the best on the book. Of course, now the book is called The Lost hope and it's a thriller and our guest is the author of that and that's Glenn Cooper so thank you for being on the show Glenn Uh,
2: this was a great hour for me thank you Al, thank you Michael Uh, great speaking with you take care, bye bye
0: you've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show to find out more about our guests hosts or shows go to www.houseofmystery.com
2: Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is the production of something weird media. I'll be back.